Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This podcast is powered by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Attention to Detail, the podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Ayers. And on today's episode, I'm going to give you guys three super quick, just kind of nuggets of information on how to develop speed as a hooper. It'll be super short, just something that you guys can listen to on like a 10 minute drive or break in your training or whatever it may be as hoopers as coaches as well whether it's strength and conditioning skills coach i think we understand the importance of speed in basketball but we don't specifically train it enough if that makes sense like if you look at other sports soccer american football speed is something that is a huge focus of any training program and yes it makes sense it's a larger pitch or field whatever So you can open up and get into higher speeds, max velocity more often. But we all know that basketball player or, you know, multiple basketball players who are fast as shit and they kill because speed truly does kill. And I think a lot of time what we do as hoopers is sub-maximal. Like, for example, when we're doing ball handling drills, we're probably not going as hard as we can. So we're not pushing our limits to that maximal speed, even if it's in that acceleration. So we're probably not going to get up to a full speed anyways. But usually we aren't going 100%. And I think through some of these ways, through these three ways at least that I'll give you guys in this episode, we can specifically target that speed in our training. And as a result, start to develop that more than most of our peers, most of you know other coaches or trainers around you if you're a trainer, because most people just aren't focusing on it. All right, so number one, the first way that I use to train speed a little bit better and this is a much deeper topic this is something i'll go into a lot more on youtube and and on uh the coaches platform as well because it does take you know there are a lot of things that go behind speed foot and ankle strength 
just building raw horsepower output like neural drive but these are kind of like the I don't know the three ways that it comes all together and you'll see this in the first one again which is using chases or speed gates to really push athletes to top speed or to top intent all right so I'll give you guys some examples and then talk about the benefits chases are super easy uh, you have somebody chasing so athlete a is chasing athlete b this could be around the center circle so they're going super curvilinear this could be around the three-point line so a little bit less curvilinear this could be straight away and they're just you know both of them have a ball they're going as fast as they can if you can touch uh athlete a on the back you get a point if you escape athlete b you get a point right there's that old saying you're gonna run the fastest you've ever run when you have a lion chasing you and yes it may not be a lion but as humans, inherently, when we're getting chased, we're going to run pretty damn fast. It's just a natural feeling. It's like a biological thing. When you're getting chased, you have something to run from. Or even on the flip side of that, if you have something to catch, you now have that external stimulus, right? It's just like jumping and trying to touch an object. You're probably going to end up jumping a little bit higher there because you have something to aim for. Whereas when you're being chased, you can measure it by whether you got chased or sorry, whether you got caught or whether you caught the other person. And it's just, again, that feeling of, I don't wanna get caught, this is scary as hell. It's why we start laughing in all of these, because it's just, it's fun, it's engaging, and it really gets us pushing up to high speeds, all right? Second is gonna be using speed gates or timers, all right? So this can be either like speed lasers, which obviously not everyone has. I'm blessed enough to have them now, and they're huge for me. But uh, you could also just use a stopwatch on your phone, simple as that. And when we time our sprints, chances are, again, we're going to run faster because we want to beat our own times. We want to beat other athletes' times. And we're really pushing to try to get to a new threshold of speed every time. All right. So you compare this with skills uh, as well. Like something I'll do is start on the baseline with, with the players. And whether we're using a, a speed gate or a timer, doesn't matter. And I'll say, all right, whoever gets the fastest time into a made shot, made layup wins, right? So now not only are they pushing that speed as fast as they can, but now they have to execute a skill as they're coming out of that race or sprint. So now they're learning how to work in this skill at high speeds. And I have a belief that, especially when paired with these skills, um, our brains aren't gonna let us get up to a super high speed with the ball, for example, if we know that we can't control the ball at that high speed. Right. So we can't, let's say arbitrary numbers. Our brain knows that we just don't have control of the ball at 20 miles per hour. So we're not going to get up to 20 miles per hour. Now, is, are any of us getting there? No, but whatever, arbitrary number. But if we work our skills at these high speeds, if we learn how to execute skills at high speeds, now we're going to be able to express this in a game better because our brain knows, all right, I can go at a super high speed and still jump off of one leg effectively and finish this layup and control or I can go at my absolute top speed or absolute top intent and still execute a jumper and control. And again, once we get accustomed to doing these, our brain starts to see, all right, you can do this. Now I'm gonna actually allow you to express the speed in the game. So whether you pair this with skills or not, right? Either way is good. You can just build that raw speed without the ball or without a curve, without basketball specific movement and just time it and 
reap the benefits of it or you can include that sports skill as well but the point behind these chases and speed gates timer whatever just some way to really force you into top speed is again to get you to get our players or get you as an athlete out of that sub maximal mindset as a hooper like we tell players all the time go game speed go as fast as you can go as hard as you can in a workout and i think there are a couple reasons for this number one is because a lot of what we do in basketball is sub maximal like game speed doesn't necessarily mean 100 percent speed at all times you could be changing speeds you could be slowing down to read the defense right so actually getting players to a top speed is going to require us to get into some type of outside intervention which usually has to involve measuring how fast they run and putting an incentive towards running pretty damn fast which would be either not getting caught catching somebody or running at a faster time otherwise it's tough to get hoopers out of that sub-maximal mindset because this is what they're used to and this is just how hoopers are wired right they're not football players who are just going to run american football who are just going to run as fast as they can because you tell them to hooping in general basketball is a little bit more of a fluid sport where you're changing speeds you don't need to go full speed the whole time although it is a benefit to be able to run at a pretty damn high speed second here is contrast work so i like doing this a lot because i have the the freedom of having a weight room right next to the court so we'll go with something that's a really high neural drive exercise so this could just be like a high pull a trap bar jump um single leg variation like an, an overcoming iso if we're if we're really advanced in terms of the athlete that i'm working with and then stepping right onto the court and putting this into a little bit more of a of a basketball context or a sporting environment right so now we're getting the benefit of just standard contracts contrast work that is um, where we're going like you know a power-based movement just to get that neural drive going priming it up getting that excitement going and then stepping over to the actual movement itself and expressing it but now we can do it in a more basketball specific way not that we always do that or that we always need to do that but i really do like contrast work for again getting hoopers to uh work at, at super high intense right i'm saying jump as high as you can on this trap bar jump uh really push how fast your hips are extending on this high pull whatever it may be if we're going acceleration or top end speed it's going to vary um but then stepping over and being able to actually execute the skill of sprinting. I love this, and this is something I've seen great results with in my players. And then lastly is gonna be diversifying the context of our speed. So what I mean by this is preferably playing other sports, but just putting them into other environments or activities where speed is gonna look a little bit different, right? So in basketball, most of what we do again is acceleration, it's kind of in this in similar angles every time it's in curves i enjoy getting my athletes outside of this uh singular track that we always train or express our speed in and getting them out onto a field sometimes and having them play field sports play some soccer just open up into a full sprint and see what happens now of course we have to be somewhat cautious with this because hamstring injuries are not accustomed to moving at super high speeds but I personally haven't had an issue with that. I don't think players' brains will really let them get to top speed um, out on a field just because they know that they're not ready for that yet. I could be wrong, though. But again, I haven't had any problems with this yet. But, but the, my reasoning for putting players outside of the basketball environment 
is not only to reduce over overuse injuries um, and kind of these chronic pains that basketball players see all the time just through expressing the same movements and working the same movement patterns over and over again, but also for what I would call a differential learning effect. So differential learning, in short, is exposing athletes to the entire spectrum of a movement pattern. So on a shot, it would be maybe shooting from as low as you can, set point wise, as high as you can, and then allowing them to kind of find the middle ground um, and just build a more robust movement pattern in general. In sprinting, they get this because now they are doing it at different angles, at different on different surfaces, in different contexts, and they're just building an overall better movement pattern for sprinting in general. They also just get to open up into top velocity now, which again is one of, and I talk about this all the time, sprinting just in general is one of the best exercises we can get, and hoopers like to compete if you put them in another sport they're going to compete they're going to be going you know decently hard in terms of their sprinting so they're getting a fantastic plyometric stimulus just by sprinting and just by playing another field sport and then lastly is getting them out of that standard basketball environment that they're in all day long again not only to reduce overuse injuries but also for engagement purposes i think a lot of the reason and this is going back to that submaximal mindset I think a lot of the reason why hoopers don't go hard a lot of time when we tell them to is that they're just tired of the training and the monotonous we're just playing the same sport over and over again and I understand how much players love basketball I was the same way but at some point if you're in the gym all day long you're doing the same training over and over again anything is just gonna get monotonous right we become accustomed to that and as a result we typically don't go as hard. We don't devote everything to it because it's just another kind of mundane task. Whereas if I take athletes out of the gym, put them out into the sun on the field with a different type of ball, different tasks, they're probably going to be wanting to go a little bit harder because it's just a novel stimulus, something new. And athletes love to compete. Again, if we put them in a competitive setting here, it makes it even better. But overall, I've just noticed how much more players enjoy workouts outside of the basketball court sometimes to keep it fresh, to keep them engaged, and to get them outside of that same mindset that they're always in being in the gym and doing kind of the same work. So hopefully those three tips uh, are things that you can take and, and apply right away in a very practical sense. I want you guys to run with these so you can be so creative with all three of them. The chases, the speed gates, there are so many ways that you can do that, just timing. Contrast work, again, so many ways that you can express this in terms of your training. And then diversifying the, the speed. You can do this on the court with just different tasks. You can do this by getting them off the court into a different environment, different competitions. I want you guys to come up with things that will teach me and blow my mind because that's where I'm truly learning is just coming up with concepts or techniques or discovering things and then having you guys or others just express them and come up with new creative ways to do it because there are so many ways that we can train athletes and not one way is optimal and I think you guys have the potential to come up with things that are way more creative way more effective even than anything I'll do and I want to learn from you guys um, as you continue to expand on these things so a little bit over the 10 minute line that I set for myself but again hope you guys got something out of this episode make sure to tap in with me let me know what you think 
share any suggestions for, for future episodes. As always, thanks so much for tuning in. Until next time.